Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is a continuation of our draft analysis series, and we're going to be talking about the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets only have one pick in this year's draft, and it is the 22nd pick. So, Jalen... Who do you see Denver selecting with the twenty-second pick? Ryan, they need guards bad, dude. I, I I took a look. I took a look at this roster, and their three primary guards that get playing time are Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Monte Morris. Outside of that, there are ten, counted ten, forwards slash centers on this team. Ten, Ryan which means they genuinely do not have a backcourt rotation, which is probably part of the reason why Jamal Murray and Monte Morris play on the floor together as much as we've seen them so far this year and specifically in the playoffs as of late. I genuinely feel as though with the fact that, yes, even with them potentially watching uh, Paul Millsap walk out the door this offseason in free agency, they already handled that contingency plan, picked up Michael Porter Jr. in the draft, picked up Bull Bull in the draft, signed Jeremy Grant away from OKC, which was a huge opportunity for them because he's produced relatively well for them this year. So they've already handled the power forward position in terms of being able to handle where the minutes of Paul Millsap get allocated to if he is not to be re-signed. With that being the case, you know what's not being allocated for? Their second point guard, their second shooting guard. Like, geez, Louise, they need backup, uh, backup backcourt players in general bad so um the guys that i would lean on as potential options are kira lewis jr or you take a swing at trey jones out of duke i think shooting on trey jones would be a huge opportunity because of the fact that he is a facilitator he's used to playing with ball dominant stars around him he was with rj barrett and zion williamson for an entire collegiate season probably one of the the roughest rides ever as, as a team with a target on their back. And the funny part about it is we talk about him as the fourth guy on that team and him and Cam Reddish were the first two guys to commit to Duke and convince Zion and RJ to come to the team in the first place. This is a guy who's used to playing on a roster that has guys who already know their top dog on the roster. Having a guy like Trey Jones also counterbalances Jamal Murray. Trey Jones improved as a three-point shooter and was one of the best defensive guards, if not defensive players, in not only the, uh, the, the ACC, but the NCAA as a whole. Was, I think he was actually ACC Defensive Player of the Year this past year. So with that being the case, I think as much as I love Kier Lewis Jr. out of Alabama, I almost feel like Trey Jones is the better fit because of his ability to mesh with other stars already and his proven track record of doing so his improved three-point shot which was his biggest question coming out of his freshman year which probably had a lot to do with him returning back to school besides of course him wanting to try to see if he could win a championship in the ncaa like his brother did um you know years prior and the other thing of course is like i said his his contrast slash complement with jamal murray 
His defensive acumen is something that could allow them to both play on the court and both be threats in their own way while also being able to hold up against some of the better backcourts in the league. Of course, Gary Harris has a lot to do with how much Trey Jones gets to play. But even if Trey Jones has to run a second unit, he's going to be asked to be a facilitator, not be somebody who has to go out there and drop 20 a night off the bench, which I think as a facilitating guard that could just simply play defense and lock up whoever your best, I guess, uh, lead role player is, in the guards position, I think Trey Jones can do that pretty handily. Um, and I'm not saying that he's going to be an elite defender out the gate, but we've seen a guy like Matisse Thybul who came out of, um, came out of college and was elite defender from, from day one with, with Philly, his, his ability to cover the one, two, one, two, and potentially three is something that made Philly an overall dangerous defensive team as a team. I think that's something that could translate from Trey Jones, as well and bring a defensive acumen to a Denver Nuggets team that really that's their biggest flaw. They can hang with anybody in the scoring department, but being able to hold an opponent to a certain amount of points in order to make sure that you're keeping yourself in the game. That's something that I feel like Trey Jones can instantly bring to the team. So I almost kind of like Trey Jones more than Kiara Lewis Jr. But I think either one would fit perfectly in this rotation. I mentioned in the last episode how much I, I think Kira Lewis has improved as a scorer, and I think he's he's maybe one of the best shooters in this draft. He really can give you a lot of all-star level scoring. I think he can really be an instant starter for any team in this draft. Trey Jones, I like Trey Jones, but I don't see him as a first-round guy. He definitely compliments Jamal Murray. Um, definitely brings a lot of defense to this team that really doesn't have a lot of defenders. But I don't see him as a fit for the Denver Nuggets, mainly because I think Kira Lewis could really fit this team better in terms of just the fact that they really need shooters. With that being said, I think that Denver could go with a guy like Grant Riller out of the College of Charleston with their, with their pick at 22. I think with the Denver I think with the Denver Nuggets Riller seems like a solid choice to considering that he's one of the most he, he's one of the best three-point shooters in this draft um, he's a guy who averaged 21 points a game again 36 percent from the from three I think that the Nuggets really need another guy who could come off the bench and be a playmaker and I think Grant Riller is that guy um, I think he's ready to pretty much jump onto this team that's already contending for a title. Um, and I think he is a, I think he has the assets to really provide that instant offensive boost that I think Denver needs coming off the bench. I think they don't really have a guy coming off the bench to compliment Jamal Murray on the floor. So I think that he really is one of the best three point shooters in this draft. I think he's one of the best playmakers in this draft. And I think that Denver needs a guy who can do both and definitely compliment Jamal Murray. And I think that the interesting thing with Riller is that he's not a name that a lot of people think of coming out of the first round. Again, he's coming out of the college of Charleston. Again, not, not a talent, not a school that has produced a lot of basketball products, 
But I think Grant Riller is going to be the wild card, I think, of this draft because he can shoot the ball. And I think would definitely compliment Jamal Murray in that asset. So this seems like a solid choice for Denver. Um, I think like you said beforehand, I think the, the interesting part about it is just simply the uh, the, uh, the the nature of the pick itself. Um, Grant Riller has been a guy who I feel like I've kept my eye on him a lot as of late because he's been a guy that's been discussed amongst draft rooms and draft websites a little bit more um, over the last couple of weeks or so um, because of his ability to score the ball. Um, at 6'3", he's not undersized by any means, but he's simply kind of like an offensive weapon. Um, he's not a guy who shows a lot of defensive acumen, and that's one of those things that kind of makes me wonder what he can do at the next level at that guard position. But if there's one thing I do believe Grant Riller can do is respond to offensive firepower. Um, <laughs> he's a guy who averaged 21.9 points per game, nearly four assists per game, five rebounds, 36% from the, uh, from three point line on um, three point land, basically about 50% from the field as a whole. Um, and this is a guy who had crazy usage in college, 33.6% usage. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's pretty much a third of his team's offense on a nightly basis. So he's a guy who's used to having a ton of pressure on his belt. And as, uh, as a member of this Denver Nuggets team, he would simply be asked to do what he does best is score. I don't think the usage would be nearly as high. I don't think it would be asked to do nearly as much as the, the College of Charleston asked him to do. And I think that might actually maximize his ability um, a lot more. My only questions with a person as offensively gifted as Grant Riller is, is does he bleed too much Jamal Crawford, too much Lou Williams in this, in this situation? Because of the fact that we've seen that those are guys who – I don't want to say underachieve come playoff time, but they are guys who on a regular season basis always vie for six man of the year because of how tenacious they are as offensive scorers and potent scorers at that. But their all around game becomes a little bit of a, a detriment to a certain extent when it comes to a seven game series where the game slows down and um, teams are not playing as deep into their bench as a, Lou Williams may face or a in this case a Grant Riller for the Nuggets may face that's really my only question with him besides the fact of like you know do you take a Grant Riller in the first round granted Denver doesn't have any other options to take him in the second round so the other reason the only other way they would get a hold of him is if he went undrafted and they got him so if you love Grant Riller enough, do you snag him at 22 knowing that's really your only other option unless you pay for a second round pick from somebody? I mean, I don't think it's it's a reach, Ryan, but I, I, I think that it's a safe one if you believe in Grant Riller as a scorer. There's a question as to whether Denver really needs more scoring, um, especially at the guard position where there's already a ton of that going on just from Jamal Murray by himself. But I do genuinely believe, like I said before, it's a reach, but I don't think it's a dangerous reach if you were to go for it, if if Denver believes in Grant Riller as much as you do. Um, I think the other thing that I was kind of struggling with in deciding like whether or not or who, who Denver should select, I was pretty much deciding where they needed the positional help. Um, 
I agree with you. They need guards because they they have a lot of forwards. They have a lot of they have a good amount of forwards and centers on this team where they really don't need to fill that positional hole. I think they need guards desperately. I was actually considering at one point that they were going to trade away the 22nd pick for a player because, again, maybe they don't see anyone that they like in this draft. And they decide that they need an experienced player to run the second unit when Jamal Murray is not out there. So that was the other point of logic that I had. I think if they do keep this pick, Grant Riller is a solid choice for his offensive skill set. Trey Jones definitely has a great upside and definitely can provide some of the defense that the Nuggets lack on this team. I think, you know, as I, as I kind of contemplate what they do, I do see them possibly trading away this pick because, again, I think that the Nuggets are pretty much ready to win now considering that Jokic is a superstar. Jamal Murray is playing out of his mind right now. Jeremy Grant's having a, a great series against the Lakers. I think that there's a lot of promise with this team. And I think that there's a chance that they could actually trade this pick away to go find somebody next season who can help run the second unit. I mean, I, I think it's interesting um, to, to go that route in terms of trading the pick. Um, how much will the 22nd overall pick a late first round pick in general in this draft garner how much will that really attract anybody in a pick that's more diamond in the rough esque than anything this is a lot of hit hit and miss hitter swing hit <laughs> you know just hit in general like it's one of those where it's just like you know it's going to be either you got it you got it in a way that you never thought you were going to, or you're going to just completely get a flop. Like that's what this draft is. There's no surefire guys in this. Even the top three guys we spent most of the year talking about their situation in which they're drafted in is what's going to, is what determines whether or not we see them as boom or bust. And I feel like you can say that about any draft pick, but with those three specifically, it really has to do with where they get taken not necessarily, you know, their own personal abilities, their own athletic abilities, because we all understand that they're franchise-changing players if put in the right system. With a lot of these other guys, especially as low as 22 for the Nuggets, it's going to have to be kind of a Michael Porter-esque situation, but even deeper in the draft than that. more Almost more of like a bowl-bowl situation, and we still haven't even seen if the Nuggets have reaped the fruits of that labor yet in terms of bowl-bowl really being a rotational piece for them. So I think the idea of flirting with shopping the pick is a, a good one. I think it just comes down to what do you th- what, what do people think the value of a – late first round pick is in terms of being able to for the nuggets being able to receive a rotational player um in, in this year's you know in this year's offseason with with trading that pick um kind of going off of that with that being the case right um we're currently watching denver you know put themselves in another 3-1 position against the lakers which you know means a lot for them because so far it's been a lot of GTA, oh no, here we go again type of stuff for Denver where LA might have to stay on their toes. 
Um, let's look at this team um, less about what their roster looks like on the face value, and let's take a look at them just strictly from what we've seen during these playoffs. This is a team that has fought a lot of adversity, fought back from 3-1 against a Utah Jazz team that had a Donovan Mitchell that was playing at a historical, you know, historical pace in that first round. Um, in the second round, another situation in which going against the, the, the favorites pretty much to win the entire title, not just win the Western Conference, but to win the NBA championship this year against the Clippers. And now we see them against the Los Angeles Lakers. Based on who's already st- stood out for us, we already know the guys like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, Jeremy Grant as of late, and Gary Harris Jr. coming back from injury uh, later on in these playoffs. Based on everything that we've seen, based on the players that we've seen stand out, things like that, just based off this playoff run, what do you think is the likelihood that a draft pick that they select in this 2020 NBA draft actually is a rotational contributor for this team next year, considering all the guys that we've seen play, how deep they've been willing to go through their bench and different things like that. Because I do kind of wonder if Denver has a similar issue to Boston, not from a picks perspective, but from a guys who produce perspective in wondering whether or not Anybody they draft, will they even play, considering how deep they already go into their bag of tricks? I think it's highly highly likely. I think it is highly likely that they pick a rotational-type player in this draft um, for next season, just because I feel like they pretty much need help at the guard position. Um, Again, if if I'm looking at – a guy like Jeremy Grant who has produced in for the playoffs. He pretty much locks up the three. If I'm looking at a guy like Michael Porter Jr., if they decide to not re-sign Paul Millsap, he's probably going to lock up the four. Of course, Nikola Jokic locks up the five. Jamal Murray locks up the one. Gary Harris locks up the two. You pretty much have your starting lineup set. It's just who is that second unit, like I've been touching on before. Who do you want to lead that second unit? And I think that, you know, with the starting lineup being locked up, you pretty much now have to focus on who's coming off the bench, who's going to provide that offensive spark coming off the bench. I think right now there's a possibility it could be Monte Morris. I think it could be Monte Morris, but honestly, I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket because you also have a guy like Mason Plumley who is – a decent center for them. You have a guy like Torrey Craig who's putting up solid minutes for them. I think now it's about, you know, what happens going forward with your guards. Again, you don't have Will Barton for this bubble. You don't have Will Barton on this team. P.J. Dozier did not have any minutes in the game last night. So I think it's pretty much now about who do you have leading the second unit. And that's where I think they, that they pick a rotational player. What do you think, Jalen? I mean, you know, I think regardless of who they draft, like it's going to be a guy who they believe is a rotational player. The question as to whether or not they get any minutes will strictly depend on, of course, the positional pick. Um, If they go guard like we believe, then I I consider that to be an advantageous situation for a, excuse me, a young guard 
to be taken late in the first round and still be up for a lot of playing time. Um, if they lean for a guy um, with potential that's in a small forward like position or the, you know, even the power forward position um, later on in this draft, there's still guys like high potential Jalen Smith out of Maryland. There's still a guy like Tyler Bay, one of the better shooters, uh, better three and D wing potential prospects in this draft that are available. If they go that route, the question will be whether or not they can play themselves onto the floor, considering the type of depth they have at the position. So I do think it's going to be positionally based on whether or not they truly will be able to get a guy who can contribute early. Um, but, you know, Denver is just interesting all the way around because they're one of those teams that's extremely deep and we don't talk about it a lot. Um, and so for them to have a draft pick late in this first round like this with really a bevy of different options and a track record of kind of swinging for the fences and taking a quote unquote questionable prospects with the idea that they can maximize those prospects potential. You just kind of never know what Denver's going to do. You know what I mean? Denver lucked up on a Michael Porter jr. That the Clippers had two cracks at my Chicago bulls skipped on for Wendell Carter jr. Instead. Um, Bowl Bowl is a guy who made it all the way to the second round, and he was at the draft waiting in the room by himself the whole time. You know what I mean? These are guys who are top-tier talent that Denver not only lucked up on, but also took the, the due diligence to believe in themselves and believe that, you know what, if we get these guys in our program, we can build them up into something. So as much as we might think we know who the perfect fit for a Denver Nuggets team is, they've proven to us that they know a lot more about the true makeup of their team than anybody could guess from the uh, from the outside looking in. So, um, I mean, you know, big questions for Denver moving forward. I think this series is going to have a lot of implications on what they decide to do. But this is a this is a perennial playoff team now, and they're dangerous. And now their names are truly on the map after making history in a lot of different feats, whether it be Jamal Murray by himself, whether it be the Denver team itself coming from that, coming back from three, one, not only once, but twice to be in the Western conference finals coming off a year where, you know, they, you know, when it came to playoff time, them versus the trailblazers, very interesting circumstances with that. You know, this is a Denver team that we need to keep our eyes on. Jamal Murray said himself, that all these ESPN and NBA analysts who continue to doubt them and count them out, we need to keep eyes on them. Well, guess what, Jamal? We are watching. So now every pick, every move that you make is going to be magnified. And starting with this 22nd overall pick, we're going to see what the future of Denver holds. So that's a good transition to our question of the day for our fans. What do you see Denver doing with their pick? Do you see them selecting someone with the 22nd overall pick? Or do you see them trading away the 22nd pick? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars. And of course, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace!